0: Drive by Cinema. Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun.
1: Hello and welcome, season three, episode eighteen of Drive by Cinema with my co-host Paul
0: and me, Rick.
1: Paul, oh, yeah, Who needs- that's your intro.
0: Oh, that was my introduction. Yeah, I'm yep right. yeah. So, thir- series 3, episode 18. Wow, I can't believe we've got this far. It's a continuous amazement, yeah. Looks like we've almost amazement. made it. Wherever we're heading. Where are we headed? I don't
1: know. Not to the centre of the earth. Systematically review every movie that interests us, that we can see on Netflix, Amazon Prime, or at the cinema. And, now yeah, we're doing okay so far. Well done.
0: We're about
1: 125 down. I don't know how many we've got to go. Can't be that many more, can there? We've done most of the ideas. There's only seven stories, aren't there, or something? Paul, we're in the middle, just to to cite everybody temporally, for those listening back out of, you know, temporal order. We're in the middle of rail strikes, is that what you're going to say? We're in the middle of the World Cup, Paul. Oh, the middle of the World Cup, yeah. yeah. Uh, The by far and away the biggest sporting event ever to be held uh, in a country named after a a bodily excretion. (laughs) Because it's in the Middle Eastern country of mucus, isn't it? It is. Oh, no. No, sorry. (laughs) I'm thinking
0: of phlegm. Oh, no, that's probably in the lowlands. No, Qatar. That's where it is. It's great. Qatar is welcoming groups of men, uh, sweaty men hugging each other in public.
1: Obviously, there is a lot of consternation about the in the labour used to build the stadiums, including that one that's made out of containers that they've just built. But also their treatment of women and uh, and gays. Thank you. They're not keen on them, Thank are they? Yours. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> the thing is, the time I would have said. For complaining about this was when they were deciding where the world. <laughs> Many short
0: pants there, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Not after they've spent years building the stadiums and started, you know. Yeah, you, those you might hotels. think Qatar, you know, maybe has a, you
0: know something to say about that. It's like, well, you could have told us earlier, do you know what I mean? Uh,
1: so we did Captain Nova last year. Yeah, week. we
0: made no mistakes whatsoever. No <laughs> mistakes. No. Well, it was a straightforward
1: <laughs> film, wasn't it? Easily dealt with. Uh, Everything everywhere all at once before that. Yeah. Uh, Looking good. Okay. Then, in which case, I propose that we strike up the band, listen to some music, and then talk about the film that you've pretty much insisted. Insisted we watched, yeah. That we (laughs) watched this week. Despite my warnings, it it all came true. Here we go. Music Maestro.
0: the name of this week's movie? Simple. Straightforward test. The the name of this week's movie is The Core.
1: 2002,
0: What's I three? think. I'm not sure which one. Maybe 2002. Yeah. Box office flop, relatively speaking. Massive budget of 85 million. Huge, huge CGI budget there. Because none of the actors were famous. And uh, only brought back 74 at the box office. So, yeah. So. None of the actors were famous. Are you? I'm really not sure about. Should I I know any of those?
1: Hilary Swank. I mean, Aaron Eckhart. I think is also fairly
0: well known, isn't he? No. Do you mean all those Sam Mendes copy, 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 cookie, cookie, (laughs) cookie, cookie cutter copies? (laughs) Now look, they were indistinguishable. These people. (laughs) <laughs> I
1: would say that the cast was perhaps one of the best parts oh. about this film. This film does not review well. It doesn't. We say that? Hey, it IMDb doesn't really scores well. four out of ten. It's, that's shockingly low, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Strangely, looking at the IMDb trivia section, Roger Ebert actually secretly kind of likes this film. He thinks people he say are really so harsh good. on it. Not really. No. Uh, I don't, I haven't looked into his critique in detail, but I did try hard, since this is not the first time I've seen this, I tried hard to look into it, at good elements of this. And we have watched some stinkers over the course of this podcast, right? So it gives you a bit of perspective. And so I know this is putting the conclusion at the front of the article, but I would say that with a big caveat, this film is not all that bad, actually. It's not terrible. Did you find it difficult to to finish? Did you? I found it watchable. Exactly. It's quite watchable. It's it's not (laughs) totally terrible. (laughs) It's sometimes quite laughable. It it made me laugh out loud more than it. I mean, I think when I previously watched it, I was so angry with the science. I didn't (laughs) like go with it. Yeah. I guess we'll get onto
0: that at some point. Yeah. Well,
1: Look, I mean, this movie has... It's sort of a record of being one of the most scientifically inaccurate movies of
0: all time. I I, I mean, I always dig it into the science, and then I just gave up halfway through. So the second half of bad science, you're probably going to have to take the helm for. Uh, I was really enthusiastic. I just couldn't bother writing that much, you know. Uh, Well,
1: I think entire university courses are devoted to the bad science in this movie. I don't think (laughs) we're going to be able to cover it all in a single podcast. It's crazy. That's it and there is probably I mean there is good some good science around this movie maybe not in it they kind of carefully avoided that but look
0: let's just think they it. could have a consultant with 878 million 78 Oh million no dollars. listen Paul
1: they had a scientific
0: no, advisor No they did not Yes they
1: and I've thought hard about this did they have votes I mean a lot of these on, films was, it, was it
0: vetoed? maybe
1: <laughs> Well of obviously they never have the right they never have veto rights that's not how scientific advisors work is it and I've thought long and hard about the role of a scientific advisor in a Hollywood film. Obviously, you know, if you're a scientist, you know, a lot of scientists have got a lot of time for a good science fiction movie. I think they're probably, you know, on board with the the general idea of making sci-fi movies. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you're a scientist, being asked by a Hollywood movie, I'm probably paid relatively handsomely for a relatively small amount of quite lighthearted work that has no great impact on your career or life you know, it's a gig you would take, isn't it, like happily, Probably. and not worry too much about the consequences. Yeah, It doesn't matter, does it? No one's going to be – you're not going to be peer-reviewed. Well, you are, but no one's – you know, hopefully no one's going to know your name. is attached to the movie, are they? <laughs> People have to sit through the title credits for quite a long time. <laughs> quite a long time, yeah, to find who the scientific advisor is. So I'll, I'll let you know later on what the scientific advisor advised on. Ah, I mean, it, you did a bit of I mean, it, it, Well, I mean, I'm guessing he might have advised on lots of things. I mean, they're nearly right on a
0: lot of the science. But let's just explain. We, we've got to explain well, the problem the is, is I mean, if you're going to do it. a present-day science fiction, then it, I think you, you have to either invoke secret Area 51 science, or <laughs> it has to be science that we vaguely know about. That's a problem, isn't yeah. it? This, I mean, this is like a modern-day
1: journey to the centre of the I was Earth. Say, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It's a Saturday afternoon, like, romp.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, I mean, it it, to, as a it, kid, it, I
0: found that difficult to believe. But yeah, I'm going to take a steel submarine and go to the centre of the <laughs> Earth. Like, what on Earth is all that about? But, I mean, this is pretty similar, isn't it? Sorry, Rich, go
1: Well, look, we've got to explain what happens to understand why the science is so bad. So, here we go. Here we go. So... It opens on your typical, like, setup for casualty, you know, people doing normal everyday things. It's, it's like some kind of environmental world day or something.
0: Oh, fuck, and yeah, was. i about the opening, yeah.
1: yeah. We see a businessman, a group of businessmen going into a meeting for a big deal. We talk about a million-dollar deal or something, six million. I can't remember what it I is. I think it's 30 million. And they're about to do this presentation, and suddenly the businessman collapses. Dead. Wow, I mean, what a shock! Only we look out of a window of the meeting room, <coughs> and all the birds fall
0: out. No, no, no. At this point, no, no, no.
1: no. We've not got to the birds no birds. Yet. <laughs> no birds.
0: A load of other people apparently have fallen over. Yeah, <laughs> but not in writing... Not in buildings of great antiquity. We get to that later, don't
1: we? When you're writing, like you know, big set piece moment in a film, at what point in the writer's room? Do the words, and you know, people fall over. <laughs> Does that strike you as like big big screen
0: Hollywood? <laughs> oh, I don't I'll really get people. Look, Captain Nova, <laughs> like we watched last week, <laughs> reviewed last week, uh, as part of their special effects, they have people freezing and then moving very slowly. Yeah, okay. I can understand it because I think <laughs> the budget was limited, but if you've got 78 million dollars, you know, you don't just have people falling over in droves, do you? But they did. <laughs> And, you know, they set up huge scenes for people to fall over in droves. So there you go.
1: Now, next, we cut to our hero, who is played by Aaron Eckhart and is Dr. Joshua Keys. He's some kind of geophysicist. He He's is. giving a lecture. Okay, can He's we ex- just stop
0: right now? This was the first egregious scientific error that I noticed.
1: I think you're going to say what I'm thinking as well. He was Karen. talking
0: about the speed of sound, okay, which is fair enough. Yes, he was. Okay, it yeah, yeah. goes faster in denser materials, slower less dense materials, Okay, he was talking about... He didn't mention wavelengths, which he should do. He, mentioned the he did, actually. Oh. He well, did. He, he well, met- well, He he mentioned the frequency of sound waves as, as decreasing as they go into a more dense material, which is patently not true. Is it? Mm, okay, interesting.
1: It, well, he said, lose frequency and gain wavelength. Did he? I didn't don't know he? about that. That's what he's, Well, and that implies that the speed constant, stays the yeah. same. Which is completely wrong, yeah. It's wrong, it's wrong. The speed changes. Because the
0: wavelength changes. But the frequency doesn't change, yeah. really. Why would it change? It go, I see it, what you're saying. I mean, yeah. the wave goes in at the same time after it goes out the other thing. So it's going to... And then, you know, that crest is going to move at the speed of that crest. So they're going to pass... At the same time, in the new material, there's no there's no mechanism for really slowing down the frequency as such. It makes no sense to say that kind of thing. Um, but listen, give it its due. It's true
1: that geophysics is done to a great extent by sending sound waves bounce, through the earth, bouncing them off, yeah. Like, and they do it with explosions and earthquakes and anything else that will make like um, sound waves in the earth, and they measure them with. Microphones all over the place, don't they? And it gives us a picture of what we otherwise cannot see—the inside of the Earth. Yeah. And yeah, they bounce differently, off like bats bounce. Their sonar, Richard, isn't it? Back, back to bats and their sonar. Paul is upset that accidentally, when I was connecting my audio, I did, <laughs> I may, I may have said, I may have used a a curse word in both direction, and I may have called him a daft old bat. But actually, as you rightly say, I was talking to myself because I couldn't figure out the audio; It wasn't working for me, Paul.
0: He <laughs> just assumed it was about you. You probably think this <laughs> this whole insult is about you. No, no, no. So anyway, so I mean, oh, you're saying allow it, but he, I mean, he's actually a professor in geophysics, <laughs> Richard.
1: I mean, oh, Paul, he's a very important professor in geophysics because. Like we've seen in many other movies before, at least one other. At this point, the Secret Service arrive and take him away <laughs> with his own security clearance and his special jet that he,
0: the president has just given him. So what I liked about this movie is they set it up like those heist movies. It's like, oh, we're going to gather like three or four people to do the job. And it's essentially a heist on the Earth's core. So. And the next guy is a guy called Serge,
1: a French... Um, geophysicist or academic of some kind. Mm -hmm. Um, But far and away, I think, the most likable of all
0: of the main characters. (laughs) But also far and away the most stereotyped of uh, that kind of scientist that plays the supporting role in Good Will Hunting.
1: Now, they're both led by the Secret Service agents to a makeshift morgue where apparently 32 civilians in a 10-block radius drop dead yeah. in the incident that we, we witnessed at the start of the film. And, I mean, I'd already worked it out, but then again, I have seen the film before, but then again, <laughs> I didn't remember any
0: of it. Look, I love this. This is one of the better scenes. I, I, you know, I mean, th- it was still relatively compass at this point. It's like, so, the Army General's like, so, can you work out what's going on here? You've got 10 seconds. And they're like, ah, i got it, pacemakers. It really
1: pacemakers. Fun. They all had pacemakers, and they've therefore been affected by some kind of electromagnetic pulse or something that has mm.
0: caused their pacemakers to now, no, Now, no birds were harmed at this point in the movie, no sites of antiquity or interests, and no Golden Gate Bridges were harmed at this point. So, Crash
1: cut. Title.
0: E-e-e-e-e-e.
1: London. Pigeons in Trafalgar Square <laughs> suddenly go haywire. First question, how do you tell? I mean, what's the difference between pigeons going haywire... Pigeons doing normal pigeon shit in Trafalgar Square. I don't know. But seemingly... <laughs> That's a really,
0: really <laughs> funny scene where the pigeons go haywire. And there's this old Master bus, which I'm sure what they weren't... I think they saved a bit of money, actually. God knows what they spent their budget in, on. In
1: 2002, a Master bus, it was a vintage, yeah. And the bus driver... The bus driver was really smartly dressed with one of those badges on his <laughs> thing, like they used to wear in the 1960s. The, you know, it's some sort
0: of yeah. Hitchcockian flashback, you know. The bird gets <laughs> into the bus, God knows how, goes crazy, and causes him to crash the bus and kill everybody on board. It's like, wow, okay. Oh, they're so- flying
1: into taxis, into the windows of taxi cabs, and they're crashing. You know, every London kind of <laughs> landmark, they're crashing into te- telephone boxes and post boxes. <laughs> Beef eaters, you know, never with bowler hats. <laughs> oh, gosh, teddy bear store. It's also an insight into the state of CGI in 2002. 78 making, million pounds
0: of CGI, yeah. So. For
1: making pigeons fly into buses. <laughs> and the answer to that question is, not great. <laughs>
0: There were some really not great moments of what must have been really expensive CGI throughout this movie. Uh (laughs) Okay, so here's the second
1: piece of good science. Right, pigeons do are able to sense magnetic fields. Yeah, which is one way, part of the way that I think homing pigeons navigate. But it isn't the only way. And, it isn't and it's not like how the they control their muscles,
0: though, is it? <laughs> yes, that's right. It doesn't dominate them. <laughs> like, if I'm dizzy, I don't suddenly start... My legs don't suddenly start walking in the dizziness I feel inside my head. to Do that, you know? Well, moreover, you know, I mean, if we have a compass,
1: we can tell where north is. If the compass is, like, spinning around... We don't suddenly like, lose again. our marbles and run around and run into doorways. like pirouetting,
0: like and Dean. <laughs> yeah, the idea that they couldn't control their muscles or the idea that all their, every decision they make about where to fly is not about seeing prey or seeing food. It's all about the magnetic field was like, kind of bonkers, I think. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, that's a true yeah. fact. Yeah, yeah so it's a one out of ten there. Well done.
1: All of this information lets our brilliant <laughs> Dr. Joshua know
0: yeah. As if we didn't that, know already.
1: There may be something wrong with the magnetic field of the Earth. So he runs around his lab, switching on everybody's computer for them. I don't know why he has to do that, but there you He go. does, does he? A, he's an important <laughs> yeah. man.
0: He says, get those textbooks. Get the smelly people in, uh, in non-diff, non-diff linear equations, in that course, which he probably doesn't teach, so how he doesn't smelly, I don't know. Get them to come and work weekends, yeah. So we have one or two references to the nature of scientists and how they're not like the rest of humanity. This film has a very
1: liberal arts major view of what science is. And yeah. It, it gets worse
0: from here. But it's interesting because now. like the, the, the European guy is kinda of like the cool scientist, yeah. Okay. That's a liberal arts view of, you know, how a scientist should be. Smoking bouloir, ah, yeah. you know. <laughs> Having read Sartre, you know maybe lived in Paris for two or three years, you know uh, that kind. Of, it's okay if he's like that, you know. It's just he makes a noble sacrifice, of course. He does. We shouldn't really say that at this stage. We? But we get on to the polytechnic side of scientists when they invoke later on the help of a hacker who's like. I guess that's another kind of scientist, <laughs> isn't it? He's all the cliches really of a hacker rolled into one. Quite incredible. This is qu-
1: this is quite an early hacker representation, two thousand two, yeah. isn't it? But. We now go to Hilary Swank, because she is the co-pilot of a space shuttle. <laughs> they're just coming space into shuttle. land. <laughs> space shuttle Endeavour, yeah. It does a backflip, does a deorbit burn, and as they're coming into land...
0: What they happens? F- they figure out. They figure What's, out. Is there a sudden magnetic out? surge in the Earth, Richard, by any chance, that happens to time? knows? the space shuttle? They're suddenly <laughs> off course. Not pigeons or humans this
1: time, by the way. And they don't know... They're not coming in to land in the right place. That's a problem. They're coming in over LA oh my gosh. rather than over the runway that they're supposed to land It must on. be the ceramic
0: plates, mustn't it, on the space shuttle.
1: <laughs> it must be. Now, initially, the commander of the space shuttle, whose name I can't remember, although he does feature fairly heavily in the rest of the movie, uh, he is not keen to listen to his uh, co-pilot's view of what they should do for this. Alternate landing. She says
0: alternate landing. She's got a
1: great idea. In the Los Angeles uh,
0: River, which is that sewer that runs through the middle of Los the water. The
1: storm drains, Los Angeles River, yeah, that's right, cool. yeah. So what has to happen is uh, she pipes up with this idea. Then they go, well, mission control, yeah, what do you think? And they go, oh, uh, yeah, okay, try that. Yeah, what the hell? So they come in for a landing on uh, on the riverbed, and they they put the landing gear down, and they land, and they're rolling towards one of the bridges and they realise that they're too high to get under the bridge. So they have a the great idea of putting the landing gear back up so they belly flop and then will fit under the bridge. Interestingly, I read that space shuttles can't actually put their gear back up because they, wouldn't, they would never need to if you think about it. So that's only ever manually operated after they land. Wow. So that's literally impossible to do. Well, apparently, when they were in the original script, they were I think they were going to land at LAX, but they couldn't get a security clearance to film at LAX, so they just shifted it to. Uh,
0: well, that wasn't CGI, to then. The river. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the first shot was CGI, yes, but they put it in. They composited it into shots of the real place, right? I
0: see.
1: That's how. So filmmaking
0: works, Paul. It's the magic. It's the magic. The, we're pulling back the curtain here. Could they um, not just use like? Footage
1: of LAX. Yeah, look, with a plane coming down, just paint the plane out. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they didn't think of that, Paul. It, probably they should have had you as co-pilot, shouldn't they? Co-director.
0: <laughs> look, I want to get to the bit where we meet the Bahaka, but we've not met him yet, because I think we go to the desert pretty soon. Now, we've, we? first we've got to meet, Josh has got to meet
1: the bad guy scientist, Dr. Z- Do- Dr. Zimski, I think his name is. Yeah. And he's clearly a shifty guy, clearly involved with the government and the military-industrial complex. And he hooks up with Josh, who's been brought in as the expert, and they go and give a briefing to the president and the Pentagon and whatever. And basically, they said everybody on the earth is dead in a year. And they demonstrate uh, this
0: with a peach or an apple. And someone get me a can of, a air, can freshener. A can of air freshener. Can of air freshener. There were moments of exposition and montage that looked like BBC bite slides in this movie. <laughs> yeah. But what he does is he
1: explains the he actually explains the um composition of the earth yes. by cutting the peach open crust mantle right. outer core inner core. Yeah. Well, that's perfectly good exposition, right? Very good. But then he explains how without the magnetic field around the earth we would be torched like by solar the winds. sun. Yeah. And he demonstrates that by <laughs> setting fire to the air freshener and blasting the peach.
0: Yeah, I, I think all that is—I think that's some of the science that was actually credit credit worthy. Uh... Filmmakers note: the peach that we we're going to use for that
1: didn't work. I don't know why it wasn't suitable. It said so. That's an apple painted to
0: look like a peach. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, no. his BBC bite-sized illustration works wonders. The generals are really convinced about this. And I think that that's when we get the general. Oh, do they know what's happened now? They, they've worked out the core has stopped magnetically rotating.
1: Now, yeah. well, this is it, isn't it? When, so, when did they work they, that out?
0: Is that now or later? It's now.
1: True fact. Here's another true fact they get right. The centre of the Earth is... Uh, magnetic the, material. The core is... It's, it's iron and nickel, isn't yeah. it? Basically. Both of which are magnetic. It's very hot. It's molten.
0: And it's spinning around.
1: And it is spinning. Because right. we're spinning. Yeah, yeah. And I think there might be a solid core in the middle. Don't know exact the exact details. Here's a question, and we talked about this before, maybe on the podcast, maybe not, but the Earth is sometimes described as a bar magnet, right? Yeah. You know, in science class, that's what they teach you. Like, they'll draw a planet Earth with all of the Northern magnetic style, lines... North at the top, south at the bottom, fine. Here's a question. You take a compass or a bar magnet, right? and you dangle the bar magnet on a string or whatever, yeah. or put the compass flat on a table and look, the, the magnet will orient itself in the Earth's magnetic field, and you'll get the north pointing toward the north pole and the south end pointing towards the south pole, right? Yeah, because if you got another bar magnet and tried to put two norths together... They would repel. Yeah. So, really, the
0: Earth's North Pole is a South, it's a south Pole. pole yeah.
1: Or should we say. Should we say. That when we,
0: no, we shouldn't, well, we shouldn't say that. We should say that really our, our compass's North Pole is actually a South Pole.
1: Well, we should. I think the, the wording is that the North End of a compass is the North Seeking End. North Seeking End. The North End of a bar magnet is the North Seeking End. That's what we should really say, isn't yeah. it? If you take a bar magnet, and you put a bit of metal on it to confirm that it's a sticky bar magnet and that the, the, the metal thing is lifted up by it. If you then heated it up with a Bunsen burner, which is what we use in science to make things warm, at some point, at some temperature, which is a fixed temperature for the material, like for iron, I don't know what it is, the bar magnet will stop being a magnet and the bit of metal will fall off. That temperature is called the Curie temperature, and ferromagnetic materials all have a Curie temperature at which they stop being a magnet. This isn't this isn't wild science. It's quite easy to demonstrate. You could do it probably yourself at home with a normal magnet, and, a and you, you'd probably burn yourself though. So don't do it. Nonetheless, it's completely settled science. So here's a question: clearly. The Earth is not simply a bar magnet because the centre of the Earth, as they do say correctly in this film, is very hot, and it is therefore above the Curie temperature mm-hmm. of iron or nickel or whatever that stuff is made of in the in the core. So it can't be a simple bar magnet. So therefore, why do we have a magnetic field? Eddy currents, obviously. Eddy currents. It's that's right. It's moving currents. In the magnetic in the medium, I guess that conductive medium that is in some way inducing currents that must lead to the magnetic field. That's what we're talking about with the spinning of the core, right? It's these currents, I
0: think, that we're talking about. Yeah, now yeah, I, I've got another problem here. If the momentum of the core has decreased, I like stop spinning. That would therefore mean that the rest of the Earth needs to just speed up. Well, this is it. The idea momentum, that but the could... day has got no Exactly. The day has exactly. got no
1: shorter. But well, this is the whole point. How, how is it that the core is supposed to have suddenly stopped. stopped moving? It's got a... They describe, they say how many kilograms of iron it is, you know, and it's an astronomical number. How on earth would you stop that moving? Well, we find out later it's, how they do it, but it's nonsense. It, it's inconceivable that, you know, there's no amount of energy you could in part that would do that without vaporising the earth right the energy required would be so great isn't it it's just it's breathtakingly stupid <laughs> 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 no it is true though that the earth's magnetic field does flip oh yeah at regular intervals so I mean and I think there might be a sort of pause where it's all kind of higgledy-piggledy I'm not sure about that and I, I've never lived through it none of us have have to but...
0: look for uh, pigeon skeletons or
1: bottles. <laughs> See whether they're embedded in Routemaster buses or not.
0: <laughs> or targeted 7th wonders of the world or 8th wonders of the world. Yeah. So they've established that this
1: impossible thing has happened, that the Earth core has stopped spinning. And Believe it. Not the that guys in the possible. room ask very reasonably, how, how do we fix it? And oh, we can't.
0: <laughs> that's not in my vocabulary. But wait a minute. Well, it's time to collect the heist team. And so they decide to go off into the desert. Is this where they pick up the guy in Utah? Not,
1: yeah. Apparently, see, this is the thing, isn't it? Zimsky has got this secret project that he's working on with this guy, this guy called Braz, and he's I'm been glad working with the names. He's been working on a special project in an old hangar out in the desert that apparently is a secret-funded project. Uh, and what he's made is this special ultrasonic laser thing, which seems to be a way. Of making holes in in rock. He demonstrates it, doesn't he, by like it it, it looks like a sort of gun. He giant says it's gatling sound, gun. then he calls
0: it a laser. I'm not sure what it's Laser. It is. Yeah. He or says it's sound. Of the two. He says it's ultrasonic, yeah. Ultrasonic laser. Yeah, well done. Uh, it looks
1: like a sort of gatling gun of lots of different laser beam things. Emitters. Hopefully it has some green neon lights that come on just as it's firing up. And it it doesn't focus them to one point. No. It does them like in a circle.
0: bore And then after a,
1: after a lo- after a bright light and some bad CGI, you just get this clear
0: hole. <laughs> yeah, that seems but, to be uninterrupted, but doesn't go for the hill afterwards. Yeah, the hill immediately behind them was perfectly okay. <laughs> like twenty meters further on, you know. So you don't see like like okay, if you got through the rock that far, like eighty meters of rock, and. You know, the hole wasn't thinned, in it, wasn't, wasn't diminished in a way. Why would 21 metres of air stop it? I don't know, but that's a small point compared to the rest of the movie. And where did all the rock go? Don't know, because there was no smoke either. <laughs> Vaporized. So, we now, so this is great. Now they've got a way of tunnelling. See, because Joshua's Wouldn't already it be out. would be nice the- if, if, if they could find somebody who'd invented a, like a ultra heat-resistant material at the same time? Paul, that would be crazy. It'd be crazy for that to be the
1: same, same person guy. that's invented in the middle of Utah salt, salt Salt Lake. What,
0: no What way. would be
1: the chances of that being the
0: same? And what person? the chance of that material getting stronger under pressure so that they could withstand huge pressures in the Earth? That D- that would be um, an astronomically okay. small chance. I- you have to be really lucky, I think, in this kind of you know <laughs> <laughs> existential <laughs> crisis to find something like that in the middle of a desert, wouldn't
1: you? Paul, no one would write something as unbelievable <laughs> as that because your
0: credibility would be shot before the film's even going. <laughs> anyway, that's what it is. He, he's got this amazing material. He's like, you know, he, he puts a mice mouse inside it and then fires, you know, I don't know if he fires his laser in it or something else. He fires else. his laser in I'm it. He fires his laser it, in it, yeah. And it survives. So and it's yeah. apparently a tungsten
1: titanium mix, <laughs> matrix.
0: But yeah, here's
1: that? the thing, right? They they lampshade this by calling the material unobtainium. unobtainium
0: yeah.
1: I like Now, that. That the, quite, the word unobtainium witty. has got an interesting history, right? In recent times, unobtainium is what sci-fi fans use to describe any material in any of their books or TV shows or movies that, you know, material science has no credible answer for, you know. You know, that that stuff that enables I don't know your Dyson Sphere to be built, you know. So you're saying this whole movie
0: was actually a subtle satire?
1: It's a very knowing, genre-savvy thing to call this material because that's what sci-fi fans, that's the word they use when, you know, sci-fi authors are getting hand-wavy about material science. It was also used, apparently, in the 50s and 60s when they were building the SR-71 Blackbird, you know, this super-fast biplane. Uh, that's made up, ostensibly out of titanium. The only place they could get titanium in that era was the Soviet Union. Whoa. So the engineers called titanium unobtainium because the US had to set up a series of like dummy companies in different countries to like casually buy small amounts of titanium and exfiltrate it back to the US to build the, the planes.
0: <laughs> Whoa.
1: So uh, yeah, you know, maybe this film knows what it's doing. Maybe it's kind of winking at
0: us. I don't know. I can't really tell. I don't think you could do this much winking throughout a movie and say it's <laughs> satire, though, you know. You'd have to call it some sort of nervous tick, I think, at the end. I mean, like everything's nearly everything's wrong about the science, isn't it?
1: Well, they put this. They put Braz on the spot, don't they? They say, you know, um, how long would it take to build you know, a, a ship that can go to the centre of the earth, made of uh, unobtainium, with your special lasers on it. He goes, 10 years. And they say, well, the general goes, what would it take to get it done in three months?
0: And he just goes, 15 billion dollars? <laughs> How about I write you a they go, check? <laughs> 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 and then in three months time, they've got the prototype done and everything. There's like a little montage of working everything out, and then bam, it's all finished, kind of thing, ready to go. And it's like, if you ever played the game, what's it called, the ones of the original games where you eat? Is it Snake?
1: Snake? On yeah. The,
0: on the Nokia? Kind of designed a Nokia. snake from the Nokia kind of thing, like a six-segmented... I don't know. Yeah, they've built a train. A train I don't know why, but a train <laughs> seems no to be the best way. No reason to build, to build a train. But they've built a train. It's got little shiny lights of uh, solar lasers on the front. Will, will smash out any core, rock core, any kind of uh, any kind of uh, I don't know, molten lava. Will, will hoof it out of the way with its intense destructive power, clearing a way for the train to head down to the center of the earth.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be said about this, isn't there?
0: Yeah. At, at one
1: point, <laughs> Doctor Joshua points out that the deepest we've ever gone on Earth in reality is about seven miles, yes. which is true. You know, I think it's the Kola ultra deep borehole or something. It's not very far, is it? And that was with a two millimeter drill. One of the well, many reasons for that. It's difficult drilling all that way down, obviously. It gets very hot. You know, the deeper down you go, the hotter it gets. Well. And so uh, that's a problem clearly for drilling because you you're going to exceed the material Capacities of a lot of drill heads, aren't you? Yeah. As it gets hotter and hotter. But also, you know, drilling really is going to become quite quickly. Not a problem of cutting the rock. Excavation. Bashing the rock. It's going to be a problem of getting the stuff out of the hole, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if you're drilling a hole in your wall, the, the a drill is designed to bring stuff back out of the hole. Yeah. That's what those things on a drill you know the drill head is just a tiny blade at the top isn't it yeah. most of the drill thing is um a like an archimedes some. screw yeah. Yeah. to bring the material out because otherwise this is going to get gunged up isn't it yeah because we don't have that problem with this magic machine because the laser makes everything disappear disappear not even vaporize but just com- completely
0: disappear <laughs> <laughs> so that's fine Helpfully they've got some monitors or maybe it's a windscreen at the front of it, so they, uh, that they can see what's coming down, you know, down the uh centre of the earth path that they're heading. And they've got monitors and uh, apparently different they coded it for different colours. So if they see blue it's like crystalline structures. And if they see black, you said oh what black is for what remind me again what black stands for? Oh you like, can't go through that. You can't go through you've that. You've been in fucking training for three months. You <laughs> Colour on the monitor is, for crying out loud. Uh, black stands so you can't go through it. But there's a later problem where they didn't programme for air. They didn't actually give air a colour code, as we'll find out. As no, well.
1: they never thought that they would need to programme air, which is actually probably quite smart. But we, but we have missed the important thing, which is that for some reason that's not really adequately explained, they do desperately need a hacker on the team. To
0: stop the news To stop the news, yeah,
1: obviously to stop the news, because people would presumably panic if they thought that their only hope was a bunch of people drilling to the center of the Earth.
0: (laughs) But he's not just there to stop the news getting out about them drilling to the center of the Earth. He's there to, like, suppress suppress all news about all the weird magnetic stuff going on. I don't know how the Army General, you know, got past the ethics committee work here. (laughs) uh you know altering <laughs> democratic communications but nonetheless you know they get the hacker in and he's like there's a lot of fetish, fetishization of science and technology in this movie uh coming from a perspective from outside perspective and lots of like uh stereotypes of the high priesthood of science and therefore the high priesthood of tech which is i guess the hacker isn't it but yeah like uh it's very weird how they do this which is he, he he said you can't you know you can't hack the whole internet and then he proceeds to hack the whole internet and suppress any news of random attacks on trafalgar square birds there in uh, pacemakers in san francisco or or, or the colosseum in italy
1: he's played by dj qualls who's he's kind of always casting this kind of role isn't he really yeah. but he has to prove how good a hacker he is to the general which he does by taking a bit of chewing gum wrapper and folding it over to make a, um, like a, one of those reed pipe or whistle things. So it makes a tone when he blows through it. And he grabs someone's Nokia 8110 phone or something and he whistles down it. This is called freaking, by the way. It's based on how hackers freaking, kind of yeah. Yeah. used to freak phone uh, networks. And then he passes it to Doctor Joshua it's and chic, says, "The freak." He says, "You know, you've got unlimited long-distance calls for life now." For life. For... <laughs> <laughs> Problem with that is, of
0: course, <clears throat> calls don't these days.
1: Well, digital networks don't respond to those freaking tones, and furthermore, you can't do that on a mobile network anyway, which sends the tones in a different way, and it. The microphone, I guess, isn't active at that point. But it just doesn't work on a mobile network. That's just, that's just flat out in, impossible to do. But there we go. He's, he's proven it. He also threatens Zimski with some kind of, like, identity theft thing, which is meant to sound like he's a super hacker, but comes across kind of lamely, really, doesn't it? Uh, but they've got a hacker on board, so that's fine. Everything's ready to go. Uh, oh, he agrees to do it for... Unlimited Xena tapes and Hot Pockets.
0: Yeah. And then weirdly, he's like, he gets taken into the control room later on. And, like, he becomes, like, their chief, like, researcher. Yeah. I don't know what's going on there. Like, what on earth is they can't going on there? get the staff control room?
1: No one can find their way around. Because I think the... it's
0: about time we plunge into the center of the Earth, isn't it? Oh, Let's well, go,
1: time for the montage now. It's oh. the build the ship montage, isn't it? And they're going to set off nuclear bombs... 100 megatons of nuclear weapons. And, and this with magnetic rotating again. It will just set it spinning. That's how things work, apparently. You set up a nuclear bomb, <laughs> of course, <laughs> that's spinning. That's <laughs> fine. And at this point, Zimski, they're discussing the density, the relative densities of the core and what that means for their calculations. And at some point, Zimski, who's like the sort of in charge of the science, I guess, goes... It's a best guess. It's all best guess. That's all science is, best guesses. Again, liberal arts majors' understanding of how science works. Although, I was amused... You know, you talked about how they're using this special camera that Josh has come up with to see ahead of them. Apparently, he's got this special, like, ultrasonic (laughs) CAT scan. I mean, they call it lots of different things during the film. Um, And he's having... They're trying to have this like romantic thing getting on, going on between Hillary Swank's shuttle pilot, who apparently is needed for this mission, even though she's a shuttle pilot, along with her commanding officer. He's having trouble getting his smart camera to focus, isn't, isn't he? And she hops up, because she's really clever and does all kinds of things with shuttlecraft. Obviously, she can, she can figure this out. And she makes it focus better by sort of tilting it upwards more. She just pushes the joystick up, and suddenly he goes, oh, yeah, that's better, yeah. Wow. Anyway, also, we're missing an important element of the disaster, Paul, which is that our hacker guy, Rat, I think he's called. He says, oh, no, Rome doesn't look good. And there's a massive lightning storm over Rome. Everybody's dead. And for some reason, I don't know why, it makes the Colosseum explode. But not well. pigeons and not, <laughs> not pacemakers. And all, all of the statues also explode. Not, not sure why. Is the uh, Colosseum made of reinforced concrete? Is that,
0: are they trying to indicate that they, the rebar? No, maybe they're trying to say that the Mayans, when they built Rome and <laughs> other ancient cities, you know, with their triangulated uh, around the world locations, had, had located Rome in special magnetic areas. But it's this incident. Like Paul, <laughs> it's this incident that
1: causes the general to use the immortal words, the ones you should be using to make me hurry up with the podcast. Get this ship in the ground now, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and they do. It kind of goes in there like a bus turns out of a bus stop kind of thing, like slowly. And then he's like, "How's he going to get down there?" Well, they choose to go underwater. Not to the Mariana Trench or somewhere like that. Just somewhere where there's really thin crust. But they do. I think they do choose to go to the Mariana Trench. Oh, Mariana yeah. Trench, yeah, uh, really thin crust. And guess what? There's there's volcanic activity or earthquake activity because it's really common around there.
1: Well, I think the idea is the assumption the filmmakers and writers are making is that the Earth crust is thin in the Mariana Trench because it's really deep. But, but wait course, a minute. You've got a, a machine that gets rid of all crust. So why do we care about going? Why down do up? you care? Why indeed? And, and, and anyway, as it happens, the, thrust, the crust is really thick at the Marianas Trench because it's a subduction zone. That's yeah. why there's a trench yes. there. So it's the extra The
0: plate is dragged under, yeah.
1: That's right. That's right. So they have to shoot down through the ocean. Whales give them a send off on the way down. Don't know why. Uh, uh,
0: yes. Well, uh, whales probably want to help, but they're not prehensile, you see. Great <laughs> of course intelligence. They want to <laughs> great intelligence. Probably know more than us about magnetic fields, but not able to actually. Efficate any of their intentions with 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 digits, you know. So, so yeah.
1: And as they approach the floor of the ocean, the floor of the Mariana's Trench. Fortunately, it seems that they haven't figured out that they need to turn the lasers on.
0: No, it's a bit bit, bit stupid, wasn't it? Really. Touch it and go. There, the... they just got got them turned on in time. Oh, just in time! Now, just in time. now they say, do it now. <laughs> As been chased by falling rocks. We, I mean, it's touch and go. They get to the seafloor, but that's get. why
1: they have uh, the shuttle crew with them. Paul, someone needs to say now at the right moment with enough alacrity that uh, right. someone presses the button.
0: Then we get essentially <laughs> ten minutes of CGI. Kind of. You know, well, here's a problem. Various right? kinds of CGI. How do
1: you depict? How do you depict it's traveling really
0: through magma and molten rock? And the underground. I mean, there's no perspective. Is there? there's not like I'm in the air, no above. You know, distance pan. You know, I can't. I can't pan. Like I can't zoom. You know, it's just. I mean, there is no outside view of the spaceship, is there? Because it's exactly. surrounded by globber. You know, I mean,
1: all you can do is show them in in the pod with the screens that have got these like very expensive CGI generated X-ray images
0: that don't look like anything at all. <laughs> They're like or a screensaver. Kind of, or you can kind of do it like, you know, with the, everything being vaguely see through, anything like <laughs> casting this fiery red kind of thing. Wouldn't it be convenient if, therefore, they came across a huge, massive air pocket in the uh, in the Earth's mantle? But, Paul, how would an air pocket support itself under the
1: extraordinary pressure that exists un- under <laughs> the Earth in, a, in, a, in the molten magma? I don't know. You might think that would be impossible, Richard. You might think that would be impossible, but. I suppose they did think it was impossible because they hadn't programmed any of their systems to cope with
0: air, and And the the camera uh, can't see it properly. What was the chance of that air pocket, that must be pretty rare, being directly under the Mariana Trench, when they decide to dive down? (laughs) So they,
1: out into a pocket of air that's huge, so that their train falls
0: all the way down and lands in the bottom of the air pocket. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, okay. (laughs) They're like, oh, wait a minute, oh, gravity's having an effect now, we're floating, (laughs) like... You weren't floating. You got rid of all the stuff in front of you before, yeah? So you're not, they suddenly start speeding up. They were in free fall before anyway, yeah? Because they were smashing everything out of the way anyway. They were in free fall before. Some they're coming to air and them they're falling much faster. The thing is, when they get to the bottom, why can't they just turn the lasers on and zoom through what, they, what they're about to crush into? I don't get what's going on here.
1: Well... There's a number of things that go terribly wrong scientifically, aren't they? First is, as soon as they pop out of the air bubble, they start falling, as you say. They were falling anyway. They should have been falling anyway. But now they're falling in air, even though it would have to be air at an extraordinary pressure. God knows how, how thick and soupy it would be at that point anyway. But they're falling anyway. In the cockpit, the... The direction all but one of them follow from the director is to throw themselves forward in their uh, straps. I, like the spaceship slowed down. It, yeah, exactly, as if the spaceship slowed down. Of course, really what would be happening is be, they'd be in free fall. They'd have zero G at that point. They should be floating around going, whoa, no, we're falling. But they don't do that. Uh, and then, yeah, when they land, as you say, why can't they just use the laser well? Paul, the answer is that's. A big crystal, a shard of amethyst, I think. Oh, has, is that the black on the screens? Uh, maybe, but it's gone into what they call the impeller, which is where the lasers are at the front of the screen. So it can't turn oh. around. I don't it's know the why it wasn't would want... turned
0: on at the time because it would it would have just, just cut integrated. through it, wouldn't it? Yeah, also, yeah. Uh,
1: oh, so they have to
0: go outside. <laughs> Yeah, they have to go outside and step onto the moon, moon, onto the moon surface of the inner, inner Earth, yeah.
1: You would think that, especially as they were expecting any air pockets, that there would be no mechanism to get outside and no protective equipment for
0: human beings to exist in well, the... They've got that. They've got these really amazing suits.
1: Suits, yeah. Well, actually, they're suits that are rated for 4,500 degrees. It's yeah. unfortunate that outside it's 9,000 degrees. They're like half as effective as they, they would need to wow. be. And it's just unfortunate, isn't it? It's probably all they had in this
0: shop. <laughs> so they go outside to mend, mend the transponder laser gunf. gunf. Uh, and just as that happens, I think through the hole they made in the air pocket. Maybe it's they made the perforation. They did, yeah. They made the hole. Hot lava starts. I guess it's lava. I don't know how far we're into the earth now. I think even figures out it was the
1: hole that they made that caused this. About five it starts minutes. Starts dripping right down there. like wax, you know,
0: just dripping down on them. And, and, and they seem terrified
1: that magma is flooding the the bubble, despite the fact that the thing that they're in is designed to travel through all of the magma in the Earth's yeah. mantle and core. To you know for for thousands of miles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they seem to think it's a terrible problem. Surely the so, the magma would just melt the big crystal that's in front of them anyway. And they could just
0: carry on. Yeah. So they hoof it back to the spaceship but one of them dies.
1: Yeah, it's the shuttle craft commander. So finally, uh um H- Hillary um uh, Hilary character can sort of take charge now because the man that was sort of uh taking her job kind of thing on making her feel less Important than she,
0: she ought to be is, is now dead. I think they're set off, and then we get a view of them like making a headway from like this false kind of perspective of being able to see through Magnum. magma. So they've re- represent that with kind of like a, a, a glowing red kind of filter to everything. And it shows the shuttle or the snake uh, making progress, firing a beam in, in front of itself, but it's like it's it, let's say it's heading north. Uh, and it wants to go east, it's already like cut a curved path to where it wants to go, (laughs) which is weird. I mean, you could cut a path, but if you were facing north and then wanted to go east, by turning that way, you would have cut out a whole sector of a circle kind of thing, rather than a path that went one way, and then ahead of where you'd been was already going another way that you couldn't point the laser. It's very strange how they represented that. Now, they have to dodge
1: giant diamonds that are floating around in the Earth's core interior. Yeah. And at one point, which we nearly make it all the way through, but Hilary Swank, unfortunately, just scrapes the last compartment. Lucky it was the last one, if you think about it. Just as uh,
0: are about to get through to the outer core or inner core, I can't I think quite so.
1: The outer core it would be. And so, fortunately, that ruptures the protective unobtanium shell of the last compartment. And that's important because they've put some really
0: vital equipment back there. And Yeah, it's s- incredible, really, because I thought the diamond had a melting point of 700 degrees Celsius. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: as actually say, I don't think it's possible for diamonds or or amethysts <laughs> or emeralds or whatever to exist at this point in the <laughs> interior
0: of the I earth. I think at 9,000 degrees, we don't really have molten. We only have plasma, don't we? This essentially will be plasma, I think. Um,
1: that this is material science beyond my Ken, Paul. Paul, Ken. Uh, it, fortunately, we, I know we poo-pooed the train design, Paul, but if you, if you mash up the last compartment, you're in luck because what you can do is seal it off and eject it. Unfortunately, it does mean ejecting Serge, the only likable character in the crew, because <laughs> he had to go back and get his notebook. With his kids' pictures in it, and we're then treated to what I have to say is quite an excruciating <laughs> sequence of watching him slowly pretend to be crushed by stagehands moving bits of uh, props <laughs> around him.
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, for seventy-eight million dollars, Richard, you get your money's worth. Come on! I mean, it's it's a it's a bloodless death, but it's unpleasant, isn't there? They because right. seemingly they can watch him on a monitor while they do this. By the way, throughout all of this journey, they are seemingly maintaining radio contact with uh, with mission control on the surface. <laughs> that was weird, wasn't it? <laughs>
0: That's deeply weird.
1: As anyone will know, if you try to set up Wi-Fi in a house with more than three walls in it, it seems
0: highly <laughs> unlikely. Highly <laughs> unlikely. Look, they're in the core. They've taken some measurements of the goo around them. Wait a minute. It's more like Angel Delight than it is cheesecake. Oh, they've made some miscalculations. They finally realized the outer core is really slim. Uh, the inner core, which previously they said was solid, but now they're going to blow up. They kind of changed their minds about which part they were going to blow up. Uh, it must be really thin also. If we let off this bomb, it's going to have too big an effect. All our calculations are wrong. Let's just turn around and go home. I'm telling you, this is never going to work. Nukes won't be enough.
1: Fortunately, Zimski has got another secret project. I think it's a secret project that yeah, they the point used. Is,
0: if you had a secret project, why the fuck go down there in a fucking, in a fucking snake <laughs> material? <laughs> if you didn't need to go down there in the first place. I think it's like a secret
1: earthquake weapon that they built because the Russians had beat, built a secret earthquake weapon.
0: Yeah, if you've watched Cars 2, it's that basically. It's called the Deep Earth
1: Seismic Trigger Initiative, or Density for short. Oh uh, no, Destiny for short. Destiny. I mean, Destiny would be better. <laughs> it would be better. Yeah. But if you if
0: you watch Cars too, where they zap the cars with like a a, a gun, it's that kind of thing. Hold on, Paul. Breaking news
1: from Hacker Rat, who's monitoring things outside.
0: <laughs> no, stop. An, go on.
1: An EM tear has been detected. Uh huh. An what EM the fuck tear. Is that? What this means is invisible microwaves that Josh What's, had been talking about. What invisible microwaves? They there solar by, flares? By the way, Josh so the hadn't winds. been talking about these things. <laughs> They've just what, found a what hole. What are they talking about? They've just found a hole to go An through. An ozone hole. And now they're going through it. And they're going through it to San Francisco. No, not
0: another site of national interest. A any site any of chance. national interest. <laughs> where this... Got to go gate by chance. <laughs>
1: got to get bridge. No, because it's only a, at most 100 yards wide, this bubble, this circle. Yeah,
0: so, so let's target the Coliseum, let's target Trafalgar Square, and let's target now the Golden Gate Bridge, as you would do. You
1: know, we see do this circle of microwaves. Unthinking physical phenomena. Moving up the bay, boiling the sea as it does, until it hits the Golden Gate Bridge, where the microwaves make all the cables snap, and the tyres dies, and they give Guy sunburn where he had his arm hanging out of his car. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, presumably lots of people die. It's a tragic... Tragic microwave
0: <laughs> microwave <laughs> mistake.
1: <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So Josh, now hearing about this uh, Destiny project from Zimski, he sends a secret message to Rat telling him to find and slow down the Density Destiny project, although he spells it with an N-Y rather than the N-I, which means it's not the same thing. I don't know. They're very inconsistent about that for the rest of the movie. Why does he want to slow it down? Because turns out he and Hillary Swank have decided they can do it with nukes after all. Don't know how. Uh, but apparently they're going to do them in a particular sequence,
0: like throwing pebbles on a pond and getting resonance effects. So they're not going to get the Destiny involved. They're going to do it down there with their original Because I think equipment. the
1: Destiny will kill them all.
0: So, their plan uh, is to try and do it themselves and then escape. And then, if that doesn't work, then they use Destiny. I don't know. They, they made a decent point about superposition interference of waves, I think, you know. Yeah, it's uh, decent science there. If you manage to really calculate the density and, you know, the speed of these waves, you could let the bobs off so they superposed or whatever in a certain sort of way.
1: Yeah. Potentially. Would
0: that cause. I mean, not, not really. A, a, so a, very would that computer. cause
1: a molten liquid center of a planet to start spinning? I don't know. Probably not, No. I, I no. think you might need more than a few like a back of the envelope calculation to do that. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Due to some design compromises, which we we're not going to go into, it turns out that in order to split up the carriages, someone has to go into a 9000 degree crawl space. So Braz volunteers because it's his ship. He does that and obviously dies tragically. Yeah. Uh and then they start dropping nukes off one by one by sort of unlocking the last carriage of the train each time. Rat stops the destiny thing just in time. Uh, well, and then they need the last bomb to be 30% larger, which geophysicist Josh immediately calculates is, well, I don't know, six to seven pounds of uranium. <laughs> <laughs> Where the hell is he going to get that from? <laughs> oh, wait. I don't know.
0: Virgil, the, of the-, the
1: ship. Has a nuclear reactor on board, so he's just gonna—he can just go and get a fuel rod pull. Ooh. Obviously, uh, big, uh, lovely, The trouble it? is it's a bit hot. So, oh, he's gonna crawl
0: through a crawl space.
1: No, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to do a crawl space. Apparently, he can just walk to this one. Uh, he tries to use a bit of chain to get it out of the reactor, but the chain melts.
0: Okay. Uh, so he then uses his hands. His hands don't melt. You just get. A it's bit like going burnt. camping, isn't it? It's like it's like when you go camping and you think, oh, it's going to be a nice weekend, and you know, stage <laughs> by stage, you're humiliated. You know, it starts raining, you can't get the fire started. You know, uh, the, the top sheet gets wet, etc., etc., etc. All this improvisation doesn't work. So, what happens? How does he get the fuel rod out, Richard?
1: He just pulls it out with his hands and then carries oh, it out. Oh,
0: okay.
1: He pops it in the last co- compartment. Shouldn't, that, shouldn't he really? The daft idiot. <laughs> they- they set off the bombs, and I think they, they managed to. Just, Good timing, yeah. But the 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 front bit of the train, the engine of the train that they're in, oh no, is finally without power because he's taken the fuel rod out. Remember, oh, the only fuel rod. And but then they remember that on obtanium, this thing that this material this ship is made of, apparently it turns heat into electricity, like Does a solar heck? cell. Uh, and who, who would have thought? Imagine not realizing that they were going to be in a sort of nine thousand degree <laughs> planetary problem, So they kind of like they kind of like do jump jumper leads to the to the surface of the ship. So they've got enough, enough electricity that they can get out of there. They pop through Hawaii, where the crust is a bit thinner, actually, and a bunch of whales help them find the aircraft carrier, where. For reasons that are not very well explained, Rat is hanging around on the deck, uh, and he figures out that because the whales are there, that probably means that they're, that they're there. So they get they get and a, oh,
0: Well done, everybody! And then she's right. I'm going to relax now. She goes for a highly, highly calorific kind of Starbucks coffee with lots of goo on top. Yeah. Phew. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm quoting here from the IMDb. This film frequently makes the top ten lists of most scientifically unrealistic movies ever and has even led to scientific publications deriding its inaccurate portrayal of physics. Um, So, Earth's atmosphere wouldn't disappear within a year after the core stops rotating. A small EMP device cannot stop the core's rotation no more than a fan can dissolve a thunderstorm. Birds can also migrate without Earth's magnetic field. Sending messages from the Earth's core to the surface would be impossible since it would penetrate 4,000 miles of rock. Magnetic field won't disappear anywhere at an equal rate, so there wouldn't be holes. Um, Magnetic field dissipating won't cause solar microwave radiation (laughs) strong enough to melt the Golden Gate Bridge. (laughs) (laughs) Even if it could, it would melt the cars long before it would melt the bridge. Cavities and intact amethyst crystals thousands of miles below the surface would be impossible. Intense pressure there would crush both. Diamonds cannot be there since no carbon is inside the Earth's mantle. People can't walk around a few minutes in 9,000 degrees. <laughs> they were instantly burnt to a crisp. No ship can convert heat into energy to propel itself away from a nuclear blast. There's no space between two tectonic plates to escape through near Hawaii, as the island is situated near the middle of the plate, not the edge, etc. <clears throat> um,
0: the list goes on. It's, uh, it's fun, though. See, so you, you wanted to say about the Scientific Advisor... You said ah,
1: The scientific advisor was advised to design a ship that could go to the centre of the earth. Uh... So he came up with the train of an <laughs> I guess. And <laughs> didn't advise on the rest of the movie. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, what would you say? Well Paul, pitch this movie to me and I'll be a scientific advisor.
0: Well, I think we said all that, haven't we? I mean, it's like
1: I mean I mean my response would be Can you just throw the whole script away and start again? How far through are you? Have you started filming?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or set it in the future, kind of thing. Uh, Which I think might have been a more sensible thing to do. I mean, it didn't feel, you know, present day. It didn't have a seminal aspect to it, did it? So why they set it in the present day, I don't know. Uh,
1: well because in the future poll there won't be whales to help out at the end. That's the main problem, isn't it? They need those whales to be still there.
0: So yeah. Uh Richard, shall we score this thing?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's time. Go yeah. on then. Look, well okay I'll start listen, acting, right? Decent cast, they're all pulling in the same direction.
0: Uh I think they do a decent job. And he, the nice thing about this film, I don't know. I don't it's an exploration of grayscale, really. It was all grayscale acting, wasn't it?
1: Okay, everyone's like sort of stereotyped. Yeah. Uh agreed. Agreed.
0: I mean they're written badly. It was but, graphite pencil shading, wasn't it? You know. It was
1: for, for acting I'll give it a six. It's fine. It lacked texture,
0: it lacked tone.
1: Not bad though. Not bad. Uh, four and a half. Poor, that's below average. It's perfectly decent, like Saturday matinee not stuff. Not the budget,
0: and not what, not 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 how, however much they were paid, they didn't act well enough. Let's put it there. Let's do plot then. Let's do plot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in terms of, let's go to the center of the earth. Let's get there. Let's do something. Let's turn back. I mean, yeah. I mean, that bit of it is acceptable. It's an idea, you know. There's the peril. Peach. That's peril, bad things
1: are happening. Disasters occur. They come together as, as it team. Why introduce?
0: It was like some of the cliffhangers and turns, like like destiny. This 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 plot flip. Why was it introduced? The, the sense of timing, I thought, was really off in the plot.
1: Mm, like, true. It didn't really need to be there, did it?
0: It didn't. They didn't use it in the end anyway. It's like, ooh... So,
1: sorry, Rich, go on. There's also a very poor and bitty escalation of the threat because our heroes are nowhere near the surface of the Earth where all the bad things are happening. And indeed, all of the mission controls seem to be somewhere completely safe as well. You just get these weird little vignettes, as you say, you know, different UNESCO heritage sites being obliterated (laughs) in, in different ways. It's a bit discombobulated, isn't
0: it? Really, but that's also what you want liked-
1: from a disaster movie. People, you know, if you don't see the Eiffel Tower melting, or you know, you know, especially two thousand and two, you know, yeah, it's it's a thing, isn't it? It's what people kind of want in a way. It's like yeah. picking a scab. <sighs> I'll give it a, I'll give it a five for the plot.
0: Wow. For me, uh, it was the role of the villains, who weren't really villains and didn't really need to be villainous, you know. It was like these people were slightly dodgy, but weren't really explicitly dodgy. We find out later they built this Destiny thing, but it doesn't really relate to how... They caused it, Paul.
1: That's what what we missed. The Destiny tests caused the Earth Core to stop somehow. There's
0: no comeuppance. There's no... There's
1: no comeuppance. They
0: they could have at least (laughs) melted the general with a microwave. (laughs) So, in terms of plot, the plot itself and not ideas contained there. I'm going to score it again another 4.5. Harsh. So, okay, we, we have to do
1: science. Yeah. Well, it was full of ideas. Full of ideas, yeah. Some of them, not totally inaccurate.
0: <laughs> I, I think that might have been darts as a dartboard. <laughs> rather than anything else. Chance. Although, why so many UNESCO sites were bull, bullseyed, I don't know. Uh, whew, I don't know really what to say about the science. I mean, sometimes hilarious, sometimes shocking. I'm very rarely right. Uh, <laughs> but, so many ideas. And for that reason, I'm going to score it with five. That's very generous. It Apple. is, yeah. For the most...
1: The film regarded as the most scientifically inaccurate. And the one which... It's, it's also the portrayal, again... Getting the side wrong, are we talking? Thing. Are
0: we marking for science, science fiction, or the combination of the two? Well, th- this is it, right?
1: I mean, the unobtainium is science fiction, the lasers, science fiction. But that's okay. You can write that in, you can play by those rules. But if you're gonna, if you come to your story where the main thing is them going to the center of the earth, and you don't even get the physics of that right, you've kind of fucked up. Yeah, Especially when yeah. you, you can't, they're not showing anything except blob colored blobs on the screen.
0: <laughs>
1: but I, th- I think worse is, the again, the portrayal of science completely incorrectly. Uh, as you know, this like cavalier callousness, um, or this, or equally like inventor, you know, Braz is a kind of inventor, like, uh, like James Dyson kind of, you know, coming up with, you know, w- w- wizard.
0: Uh yeah, it wasn't fair. It's it, it totally inaccurate. So for that, it's got to be a two. Oh, wow. Okay, we have to get to CGI and special effects. What was your side score? You didn't give it a science score? Five. I did I scored it five. Very generous five. Fuck. Okay, for- CGI and special effects. Fucking dreadful. <laughs> 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 for the money that was spent on this, I assume it wasn't all actors' wages, so there must have been a huge amount spent on CGI. They were just... They were just pissing up the wall in that studio, weren't they? They were just taking the money and doing shit all, let's face facts. Some terrible, terrible CGI here. I mean,
1: I had a moment earlier where I started to wonder whether I'd left my TV in, in live football mode, you know, where all the colours are a little too bright and all of the action is kind of sparky. Because I, you couldn't make head or tail of
0: quite a lot of it.
1: You know, when they start showing like... I don't
0: know. We get full we get whole twenty second shots of the screen that detects black for can't get past. It's like watching a fucking game of asteroids from ninety two, isn't <laughs> it is, it. It is, It's yeah. like it's like what on earth is going on there? Do you know so, I'll t-
1: tell you something. One thing popular culture gets wrong about lava and magma is people people assume that because it's liquid, it's like you know, gloopy water, like I don't know, you know, like syrup or something. It is molten, but it is still rock, right? It's super dense. You know, like, you know, when uh, the shuttle commander falls back into the lava, into the magma yeah. away. I don't know whether you call it magma or lava at this point, because they are underground. But anyway, you know, if you fall into lava at a volcano or something, you'll find that you don't sink into it because you weigh about one, you know, gram per millilitre or whatever, and it's like, I mean, rock is six or ten times that. You know, it's way, way denser than you are. You don't, you don't sink in it. You just burn on the top of it. You're <laughs> like floating in a very hot dead sea. Well, but even the dead sea is nowhere near as dense, right? Yeah. It's super dense. You know, it's rock. <laughs>
0: um, I have to say, like, the CGI reminded me of another movie from the same era that I think has terrible CGI, which is Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Which again had a huge budget. And you look at the games of Quidditch there, and they're absolutely shockingly bad. You know, they're really terrible.
1: Oh, yeah, but that's uh, m- much more ambitious, isn't it? Because they're into CGI figures, humans on brooms and stuff. Sure,
0: but it's still terrible, you know. Uh, and, and, but this was just awful. This was awful, too. Like, how has CGI come on so far in 20s? I don't think it has come on that much.
1: I'll give it's it a just, three, and I'm only doing it that.
0: I'm only giving that much for the the, the, the pigeons. The whales were terrible. <laughs> I kind of like the Colosseum. Colise- I thought the Italy sort of uh, mass extinction event was relatively convincing compared to the rest. It was the only one I thought really cut the mustard.
1: But that must have been models. Uh, like, there must have been blowing models
0: Yeah. Up there. But it's relatively convincing models, like Clash of sure. Titans from 1981. <laughs> uh, the, the Golden Gate Bridge was only effective because they did close-ups of wires, little bits of the bridge. You know, that's how they made it work cinematically. Is we, we cut? That's why we went to the car first of all with the man with his burnt skin, was so we could focus on small objects rather than you know <laughs> having two minutes of a bridge blowing up by like magnetic uh, blobbliness. So yeah, so it's only one that really works. Just generally underground, the Jules Verne stuff. You know, the lava just. Terrible, just really awful. Uh, shockingly so. that therefore, the decision to include so many minutes of that footage in the final cut was strange. I'm gonna have to score it a 3.5 in total. So,
1: I think that's all the categories we would normally do for this kind of crap. Yeah. So, overall, so overall, though, some greater than parts, unfortunately. It is, yeah, because. Yeah. Like, they all pull together. Even the bad guy Zinski kind of redeems himself. And, you know, you want them to succeed. Uh, it's not a terrible movie. It's a perfectly good rainy afternoon. Uh, I'll, give it a, I'll give it a
0: six. Yeah, I mean, my score is like a 4.5 if I start out of my scores. But it's not. I'm going to give it a 5.5 simply because it kind of all fits together in a really naff way. Uh, and the fact it's that like, everybody's died and there's still a Hollywood ending it's like, Woohoo we got back, you know. It's like a team does
1: like, geophysics.
0: It is. <laughs> like, like they don't reflect on the fact that everybody's dead. It's so Hollywood in that respect, but it, weirdly Hollywood. It's like I mean most Hollywood movies like a, a- teams, like explosions, but people like just bounce off them don't they? You know. I mean, here people do actually die, but we just don't reflect upon the facts. So. People are getting horribly maimed left, right, and centre, yeah, yeah.
1: Merely as, like, uh, counterpoints to the hero- heroism that they're,
0: they're doing. Yeah, so there we go. Uh, I would recommend it. It's actually quite enjoyable, but a bit long, I would say. Right, so that's done, Richard. A sort of semi-minor recommend from me. I, f- I fucking warned you. You didn't listen. And, then, and now here we are. Right, well, you can warn me about the two choices we've got for this week, Richard. We've got Session 9. Right. And I think for the third time offering, uh, Black Island Sound. Oh, should it not be called the Block Island Sound? Oh, sorry. We've been calling it Black Island Sound for like weeks now. (laughs) Okay.
1: Well, I think that's the one we should do. The Block Island Sound.
0: (laughs) The Block Island Sound.
1: Uh... Cool. All right. Until next time. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Paul, until the next time. Ciao for now.
0: See you on the next one. Goodbye.